Bonjour and bienvenue to Lulabelle's Francophiles. Je m'appelle Lou and I'm presenting this podcast as a way to keep our inner Frenchy vibes happening when not in France. In each episode, we've been chatting about our French experiences with guests who live both in Australia and in France and we've shared ideas for how to stay connected to the Francophile in you. Subscribe on one of the major podcast platforms and you'll be notified as soon as new episodes are available. Or you can follow Lulabelle's Francophiles on Insta and view all the pics as you listen. Just head to the lulabellesfrancophiles.com website and you'll find all the links leading to a lovely way to stay connected to one of our fave destinations, France. I'd like to say bonjour to Francophiles listening across the world from as far as Russia, Switzerland, Canada, the US, the UK, Germany, Japan, India, and of course, Australia and France. Bienvenue wherever you're listening from today. Now, today I am meeting with someone whose journey I have followed for some years with great interest. Jane Webster has published four books, French House Chic, At My French Table, French Ties and Chateau Life. Jane also runs a wonderful dining experience at the French Table from her family home, Chateau Bosque, in Normandy in northern France, as well as a Chateau Life residency where individuals can stay with Jane and her family. I'm so thrilled to be talking to you today. Welcome to Lillabelle's Francophiles, Jane Webster. Bonjour. Oh, bonjour, Lou. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, Jane, you are living what many would think a dream life across two countries. When you dreamt of buying a chateau all those years ago, did you ever envisage the life you have now with successful books and business? I certainly dreamt about a French life, and I always dreamt that I would write a book. But no, I didn't you know, it's it sort of grown organically, I guess. And, you know, one dream has led to another in my case. So I certainly didn't have all my ducks lined up. Mm-hmm. It was one tiny step at a time. It's been lovely to watch it unfold. I follow your Insta account, which gives such a lovely warm view of your world. It makes me feel that I know you already as you give yourself so genuinely to your followers. Tell us a bit about a regular day in your French life. A regular day in 2020 or a regular day? Regular. <laughs> regular and regular, I suppose, the regular okay, time. So a regular day uh, at Bosque would be a 5 a.m. wake up mm-hmm. um, because I love getting up early and I love getting up with the sun and, and I love that time before anybody else gets up um, in the house. So mm-hmm. whether or not I've got guests or whether it's the family, um, I just love having that time to make a cup of tea and potter out to the garden and pick some fresh herbs and collect eggs and, you know, I might put a a load of washing on. I mean, it's not that different to being at home in Melbourne, Mm. except that it's bigger. (laughs) (laughs) And it's in France. That's the start of the day. And then my day really is all consumed by food, Mm. to be honest, you know, going to a farmer's market and there's one every day of the week. So I love to shop that way. I go to the supermarket, of course, like most people do, um, but I try to just get toilet paper and tissues and all the bits and pieces that you can't get at the farmer's market. But anything Mm. that I can get from a French market, I get, you know, I buy my butter there and buy my yogurt and um, meat and cheese and vegetables and fruit and flowers and 
well, try to get most of the flowers out of my own garden mm-hmm. and foraging. Mm. Um, but I do love to buy flowers at the market as well. I noticed in a recent post you shared a beautifully vibrant photo of a market and mm-hmm. market shopping in France, and you wrote uh, these words, it's hard to articulate just what it feels like to shop in this way, the connection to the food, to the seasons, to the farmer, the baskets, the coffee on the place, the conversations, the deliberations. It's not just shopping in France. It's an event. It's theatre. It's that thing that feeds the soul. Now, I wondered when I was reading that, if you realise how much you feed our souls with words that paint such an image when we can't be there. Uh, well, thank you, Lou. That's really lovely feedback. And it, it's so lovely when someone says something like that to you. I understand how much people love France. It seems to be ageless. Mm. It, it seems to be without demographic. It's um, just a worldwide thing that never seems to go out of fashion, does it? Um, no. People dream about France. Look, I remember I, I can close my eyes and be back in a farmer's market in a place called Le Visinet, which is a western suburb of Paris. And my sister lived there and uh, was maybe oh, 25 years ago and I was yeah. visiting her. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said to her the night before we went to the, we were going to the market the next morning, I said, Sally, how are you surviving with no French? And she said, well, I'm going to French lessons, but... When I go to the market in the morning, she said, well, look, I'll get you to do what I usually do and you'll be in charge of doing the shopping tomorrow. (laughs) And um, so she she gave me a a little notepad and and pencil and she said, I want you to write down four phrases that you can use in every situation tomorrow morning in the market and all your vocab for my shopping list of what I need from the market. And I said, oh, I can't do that. Oh, great idea, though. Yes. You can do it. And so I remember writing down four phrases. I only used two of them that morning. Uh, Bonjour, monsieur. Bonjour, madame. Yes. Um, Excusez-moi, ma Francais n'est pas bien. (laughs) Of course, being able to say that perfectly, they then gabbled back at me (laughs) in uh, very fast French, thinking, oh, of course she can speak French. And, you know, that wonderful old phrase, je voudrais, I would like. Yes. And then my sister's list. (laughs) And I don't think there's been a, I mean, there's been so many wonderful times, but Mm. that to me was the standout of, oh, my gosh, this is an incredible experience. Mm. Going to the market is incredible. Ordering in a different language is incredible. The way that they eat seasonally. Mm. You know, I just loved the entire experience and I was absolutely hooked from that moment on because I remember Sally just giving me the list Mm. and saying, okay, off you go. Peter and I and the kids are going to go and sit and have pain au chocolats and coffee. Mm. And I walked around that market for about an hour. She said, I'm not going to tell you who who I usually go to. Mm. You work out who you would like to go to. And so, you know, I went from stand to stand and looked at the list and looked at the produce and worked out who had the best of everything that was on my list and then, you know, really took my time. Um, And I was so sad when it was over. Yes, and I imagine that that helped you realise that you can do this back then. Because in your book, French Ties, you describe the journey you bravely took moving your family to France and immersing them over there. Mm. Now, what has been one of the most rewarding things coming from that decision for you? 
Um, well, you know, someone asked me many, many years ago, why? Why mm. would you do this? Mm. Why would you take a perfectly happy family, four young kids, and throw them into an uncertain future in France with, you know, the kids had no French at all. They could count to 10 and say bonjour and au revoir. <laughs> I, I thought my French was pretty good until I got there and realised it was absolutely pathetic. You know, I had the words to most things, but I could not put a sentence together and I couldn't understand a word anyone was saying because everyone just spoke too fast. Yes. Um, I guess the biggest benefit has been expanding our worldview, you mm. know, understanding that we're just a little pimple on a pumpkin mm. in Melbourne, Australia, and that there's a big wide world out there. Mm. And there's lots of different cultural differences and different languages. And I guess that dive into another culture has been the greatest benefit and the greatest joy of all. And did it bring you closer together, do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when we left, the kids were 12, 11, 9 and 3. Mm. So we right smack bang in the middle of that whole, you know, kids were, well, our kids weren't particularly over scheduled after school, but mm. they did some things after school and Saturdays and Sundays were just filled with sporting activities, which is great, but the French um, do it completely differently. Every child has Wednesday afternoon off and that is for extracurricular activities. Oh, wow. Um, Your children all went to school as youngsters in France. As you said, they went over during that primary school age. I imagine that would have been very helpful to connect you with the local community over there. Was that help make it easier yeah, to make friends have, when you arrived? Yeah, we have a, a little école primaire at the end of our driveway and two oh, of the lovely. children were there and two were at college. Mm. So I got to know the local community very well um, mm. through that Action. And the Mary had also, he'd found out that I was a school teacher in another life. So uh -huh. he asked where I would teach the children in the Ecole Primaire English. And I said, well, look, I don't have a working visa and I didn't want a job, so to speak. I had a big enough job as it was. Yes. Restoring the place and um, getting the French table ready to start. But I went two afternoons a week and just volunteered to teach the local children English. Oh, lovely. So I got a lot of people that way. But the way that we really got to make friends was this old fellow came down our driveway the first day we arrived and um, Alex, who was three, said, Mummy, there's a very old man walking along the driveway. <laughs> and I thought, oh, here we go. And then he started speaking in English and uh, he said, um, I heard that Australians had bought Chateau Bosque and I just had to see it for myself. My oh. name's John Wolfe. And my wife and I would like you to come and have tea this afternoon. And um, so we all went for tea at John and Libby's and they introduced us to everyone in the district. You know, oh, how we, wonderful. Went, we went to every dinner party, every drinks party. He'd been there for 48 years and he's a real character. So we were introduced to so many people and all of a sudden the greatest fear that we had when we decided to do this which was that we would be lonely and we wouldn't make any friends. Mm. It was wiped out mm. within a week of being there because of the generosity of one man. Oh, what a saviour he was. Um, what would you say to someone dreaming of making that leap like you did to purchase a property in France? I'd say do it. If it's what you want to do, do it. You know, we ummed and ahed for years and it was while walking in Melbourne one night um, after we decided not to do it and hadn't spoken about it for about three years, uh, that 
we arrived at a particular property on a, on a walk that we mm. took that we'd been avoiding this particular corner because we used to call it the French house. It mm. had a beautiful manicured hedge. And I sort of led us back to the hedge this night. And Pete just looked at me and he said, what do you want to do? You've brought us back to the hedge. Mm. And I just looked at him and said, I don't want to wake up when I'm 73 and look at you and say, why the hell didn't we do that? Mm. So I would say to anyone that's thinking of doing it, just don't let the fear of going and the fear of doing it win because be regret. And that's what happened with us. The fear of regret in the end outweighed all the other fears and there were plenty of them. I read that in one of your books, which I love that thought that the fear of regret would outweigh the fear of going and so just do it. I think that's a yeah. great way to look at it. You have a wonderful eye for style, colour and mixing the French traditional with modern functionality, which I also loved in your books. Do you have any tips for renovating or decorating in France or actually in Australia for that matter or anywhere? Um, I just think that people should surround themselves with things that they love and not be too concerned about what's in fashion because generally that sort of palette or that sort of design goes out of fashion very fast. So I always think that if you surround yourself with things that you love and that hold memories for you, mm -hmm. um, you get a, a lovely sort of eclectic aesthetic that, you know, is you rather than some fad. I think then you get a design or a, or a style that actually reflects your own soul. And I think that's what we get to dip into a little bit through your books and your social media, which is quite lovely. Now that you're back in Australia for a little while and hosting some fabulous events, I've seen Parisian picnics in the Botanical Gardens on your Insta, yeah. gorgeous lunches where people planning their next trip to France can hear about how to come and stay at Chateau Bosque. Can you tell us a bit about your Chateau Life residency that you've got going over there? Yes, well, um, the Chateau Life Residency sort of grew out of the last book, which um, Asseline published called mm -hmm. Chateau Life. Um, and I was at a book signing and a lady came up to me, Nancy, and she tapped the book and um, she said, Jane, I have the book now, I want the experience. And I said, oh, you know, you could book in and do a French table, Nancy. And she said, yes, yes, I know all about the French table, but I want something longer deeper and more authentic and I was a little bit taken aback I I said oh you know most people say that the French table's pretty authentic and she said I've heard that too and I'm not being derogatory but listen to me I want something longer and deeper mm. she said I actually want to come for a longer period of time and I want to really deep dive into French rural life mm. and I listened to her and went back to my hotel that I was overseas doing this signing and um, went back to my hotel that night and remembered something that I had written about 10 years prior and I thought, I think this might be relevant to that thing that I wrote and I pulled this up and looked at it and rebadged it and pulled out a couple of um, paragraphs that neither I or Pete had really liked and all of a sudden Chateau Life was born. So it's basically month-long residencies. So the chateau becomes your home for a month or more. So I have 
one girl, a, a, an artist from California, who's coming for the entire seven months that we have the residency going next year. Oh, wow. Um, her plan, for instance, if I can use her as an example, is to live in the chateau. The chateau is her home. Every part of the chateau is available to her to cook in, to, um, you know, mm. launch and kitchens and sitting rooms and libraries and everything is available for her. They're the potager. Uh, she will do a lot of art while she's there, but every single month of the residency, there's also a newsletter of dozens and dozens and dozens of other activities like French lessons, um, botanical art lessons, pottery, um, ceramics, the ballet in Paris, French farmers markets, I can imagine there'd be no shortage of things to go and do over there for seven months. So, um, but, you know, I'm not doing all of those activities. I have invited people who are experts and are really good at what they do to come in and offer all these other activities. So, you know, the botanical art is being done by a beautiful botanical artist. We have an embroidery activity that people can do that is being taught by Annie, who's one of the teachers from Lesage in Paris, which oh, is part lovely. of the um, Chanel group. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a PhD professor who's going to come one Sunday each month and take anyone that would like to the D-Day beaches mm. and to do all the history of, you know, World War Two and, mm. and Normandy. And- Normandy beaches. I mean, the list just goes on and on. There are so many things. There's golf and there's other garden visits and other chateau visits and visiting other chateaus that are for sale because there's a lot of people that contact me and say, we would love to do what you've done and, you know, we just don't know where to start. So the residency is great for people like that too who are on the hunt for a chateau and can use our chateau as a base while they go looking for their own Yes, brilliant. Now, earlier you talked about how food is a big part of your day. And in every episode of this Little Bell's Francophiles podcast, we share a recipe. You mentioned that some of your favourite meals in France in your books and actually in your social media posts are the simple dishes. So what's a dish that you love to cook and share with visitors who come to Chateau Bosque? Um, some of the, the most simple things. I mean, my cheese sables. Oh. Um, that I warm out of the oven with a glass of champagne. Such a simple recipe and really a great thing to have in the freezer at this time of the year. I think and, you mentioned um, that you get those out for the uh, five o'clocks each Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. So, um, and I often say to people, just remember it's 100, 100 and 100. 100 of butter, 100 of flour, 100 of Gruyere cheese mm. and a sprinkle of espalette or cayenne pepper. Mm-hmm just mix all that up into a dough and roll it into a long sausage, pop it in the fridge, can even pop it in the freezer at that point. Mm. You just cut off rounds and bake them in the oven at 180 degrees for 12 minutes. I mean, we've all seen them in the gourmet food shops Mm. in the little packages, but they're so easy to make and you can just have rolls of them sitting in the freezer. And there's something special about having food that you've made yourself too, I think, rather than just that you've, you know, pulled a packet out of the cupboard. Exactly, exactly. Now, there is so much more that I'd love to sit and chat about, Jane. You've been so wonderful to spend this time with us today. I very much appreciate your time. Merci beaucoup, Jane Webster. 
Now, right. I've just before you go, we'll say uh, that on Little Bell's Francophiles, we always share some French music, and usually I share something modern or even share unknown French artists that I find through friends. But today, mm-hmm. given that we've been talking about your beautiful French life and hearing your story of your world in a traditional French chateau, I thought I'd choose a fairly traditional French song that talks of life through a rose-coloured lens. And obviously, <laughs> this is one of my favourites, Edith Piaf with La Vie en Rose. Oh, lovely. It is a lovely one. So thanks again, lovely Jane. Oh, je vous en prie. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. Des yeux qui font baisser les miens, un rire qui se perd sur sa bouche, voilà le portrait sans retouche de l'homme auquel j'appartiens. Quand il me prend dans ses bras, il me parle tout bas, je vois la vie en rose. Il me dit des mots d'amour, des mots de tous les jours, que ça me fait quelque chose. Il est entré dans mon cœur, une part de bonheur. Dont je connais la cause C'est lui pour moi, moi pour lui dans la vie Il me l'a dit, la jurée pour la vie Dès que je l'aperçois Alors je sens dans moi mon cœur Des nuits d'amour à plus finir, un grand bonheur qui prend sa place, des ennuis, des chagrins s'effacent, heureux, heureux, à mourir. Quand il me prend dans ses bras, il me parle tout bas, je vois la vie en rose. was Edith Piaf with La Vie en Rose. The song's title can be translated as Life in Happy Hues 
or life seen through happy lenses or life in rosy hues. Its literal meaning, though, is life in pink. La Vie en Rose was released in May 1945 by Piaf, whose nickname was The Little Sparrow. She led a fascinating but somewhat sad life, which always makes the song seem quite melancholy to me, but viewing it through the lens of Jane Webster's French life, which we've just spoken about, gives it a different hue. So during Jane's interview, we chatted about her home, her books, her Chateau Life residency, some of the events she has coming up for the remainder of 2020, as well as her fave recipe for guests at Bosque. All of the links are in the blog on the Lulabelle's Francophiles website. Et c'est tout en la famille aujourd'hui. That is all for another episode of Lulabelle's Francophiles. I have so enjoyed chatting and daydreaming of France today, and I hope you have too. Francovilers can leave ideas of what you would like to hear in future podcasts on the littlebellsfrancophiles.com website, and then together we can take this journey to share some of your story as well as my own. Follow on Instagram too for the daily posts that accompany each episode, and we can become immersed in a variety of experiences de français together and keep our Frenchy vibes happening. Au revoir and à bientôt.